uh, according to Reddit, you know, and I, I trust everything I read on there. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on, one of you nuts has got any guts. What's for a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be, and I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So this week, of course, the gigantic big release is Marvel's Thor Ragnarok. And who better to bring on to talk about uh, the intricacies of the Marvel Universe rather than Chris Maynard of following films? So thanks for joining us, Chris. Oh, thank you so much for having me tonight, David. It is an absolute honor to be here to talk about this cinematic gem. Awesome. Can't wait. So before we get into that, though, uh, why don't you let people know about your podcast? You just uh, released an episode uh, with Richard Armitage, right? That seems to be doing pretty well. Yeah, that one did really, really well. Surprisingly well. Um, apparently that guy's got a big fan base. I had no idea. But that, that's over now. I'm back to I've released an episode since then, and it's back to the normal place that I'm comfortable with. So <laughs> back to the nine people and, listening. We're good. <laughs> back to anonymity. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So uh, now we take a look at Thor Ragnarok, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say because you haven't exactly been a proponent of Marvel films uh, over the past whatever it's been 35 years since this uh, MCU started. So what did you think of Thor Ragnarok? There, there was probably about. 20 minutes of entertainment in there that I enjoyed um, overall. So if you compare that to other Marvel movies, that's this like one 19 is... minutes ahead. That's <laughs> pretty much. Um, it's, it's all the stuff that's just a setup for another movie. That's a setup for another movie. That's a setup for another movie that just drives me insane hmm. where these things aren't allowed to sort of stand on their own merit at all. And this one had a few moments that were actually fun in it that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's quite a bit of this that doesn't work unless you've spent the literal six days that it would take to watch everything in the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe, uh, according to Reddit, you know, and I, I trust everything I read on there. Oh, so, that's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have no idea what the hell was going on in about 75% of this movie. Um, and and I, I'm not smart by any means, um, but I'm not that dumb that I think I shouldn't be able to follow a Marvel movie, but as far as the sort of what was pushing the plot forward and why I was supposed to care about certain things, clueless. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how much insight I'm going to give into this one. So what about those 20 good minutes? What, what is it that you liked about Thor Ragnarok in comparison to other, other MCU movies? Well, it seems like there were moments where they allowed the characters just to be fun and sort of self-effacing. And um, the opening of it, I actually really liked a lot when you have Thor hanging from this chain and just kind of Mm. he's spinning and then he's coming back around. And it was those sort of little small character moments in the middle of this kind of set piece that I actually really enjoyed. And I thought those were the parts that I I liked about it. and it showed that you could have something on that kind of scale, but still make it fun. And a lot of these movies are so goddamn serious and just mm-hmm. take themselves so. And you have something called Age of Ultron, and you're going to be mm-hmm. that. You're going to seriously just be that concerned. <laughs> I don't know. It, no, no, it's just it, I can't imagine that somebody's waking up and putting on the leotard that morning and thinking like, yeah, we're doing some real work today. It's, <laughs> it's like serious, man. Have here. fun. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think you kind of I, I like this movie a lot more than you did, but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head as to why I did like it. And this is the first for me, I think the first Marvel movie where I could feel the director behind the camera. Like this is definitely a Taika Waititi movie through and through. Sort of. Like no, I mean I, I mean I, there I, are there are definite studio moments in this movie, but I never kind of lost sight of of that fun. Uh, that you were talking about. And I think that is a lot to do with his personality behind the camera. But there is one thing um, that it has the same look as all the other Marvel movies that it's, it's weird that this, this Asgard, this, I understand it is supposed to be this sort of golden city that has, you know, rainbows shining off of everything. And it looked like middle earth. You know, I thought that they were mm. about to, you know, head off to Mordor at the end of this thing. <laughs> um, it, it's, it, I mean, th- seriously, it was just, everything is so muted and boring. And um, I, I honestly think that visually that, Hunt for the Wilder People is a far more interesting movie to look at than this. Sure, I know. I think that's that's a valid point. I think as I'm watching the movie, I was I was thinking that I don't think they're that interested in Asgard. I think Asgard is like more of a symbol than it is a real place that they wanted to really spend any time in. Really, they, they weren't interested, right? <laughs> and it was like, it. let's get to you know this trash. I think he was much more interested in this trash planet where Jeff Goldblum rules all than he was mm. in Asgard. Like I think you know, and I and I really liked the introduction of Tessa Thompson's character, like the Valkyrie. I thought she was great. I thought her interactions with uh, both Hemsworth and Ruffalo, like honestly, make the worth movie worth it for me. Once they get off Asgard, I think things really kind of look up. Yeah, it was um it the, the trash planet thing. That's it's that's kind of they're playing with that planet Hulk thing. It, was that the idea with Yes, it? yes. And I still wish that had kind of been its own thing, had been its own movie, and it seems like there were definitely moments in Thor Ragnarok where I felt like, "Oh, you are trying to push two or three movies into one movie and you're trying to make it all work." So, there are things that happen to a minor character in this movie where he has a complete arc, but I'm not convinced of it all. Like he goes from good to bad <laughs> back to good again and I'm like, "Yeah, we we spent like 5 minutes with this guy. Uh, one, I don't care. Uh and two, I'm not convinced." So, it did feel like they were trying to like jam way too much into a 2-hour movie. And I that that's sort of the normal the way things work in a Marvel movie. Most of them would be fun if they really just cut them down to about 90 minutes and, you know, the, the sort of world building aspect of it. If you, you know, you go back to something like Iron Man, I still think that's a fun movie and easy to watch yeah. because the only time it's concerned with the other films is the last like 30 seconds of the movie. Yeah. The, and post-credit then the post-credit stuff. Scene. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You know, it, that that's the whole deal. Um, this, you can just feel all this stuff. I like, I, I don't know what that blue thing is that shining that Loki's super excited about that. He apparently stole out of Asgard. I'm assuming yes. they don't show it, but, um, that that's something they're setting up. And it's all those sort of moments like that where I'm like, oh, okay, this is something that means something to somebody that I don't give a shit about. Great, we're moving on. I just tend to think that movies need to work on their own without mm-hmm. having this much homework involved behind them. Right. I was just I was sitting here wondering, I was listening to you talk about that and mentioned in the beginning that, you know, you would have had to like really know the kind of history of the MCU. And I didn't get that feeling from this movie. Like there are definitely a lot of nods and a lot of moments where you're like, okay, that's pointing to the Avengers and that's pointing forward. But I did feel like, you know, you could make a an hour and forty minute cut of this movie that makes perfect sense without adding anything else. So I felt like oh, they yeah. did a good job of of making a movie that is complete enough for someone to come in blind and still enjoy themselves. Um, I think if you would have 
cut out all the Asgard stuff. And if the movie would have ended with the Hulk Thor fight, then that, that was really the climax of the movie for me that everything after that, there were moments that were fun that I enjoyed, but honestly, nothing got to that height again. So it was kind of like this slow ramp down um, that I, I don't know what the runtime on this thing is. I know that it's two, it's two hours and t- Supposedly. Two hours, ten minutes, but I, I don't know how much of that is post credits and how much stuff I skipped out on because yeah. I left as soon as I saw the director's credit. I'm I walked. Like, okay, out. I'm done. <laughs> and also, I mean, I, I also really liked uh, the villain in this movie, which is uh, a long time coming for me in a Marvel movie. And I think a lot of that is just that Kate Blanchett just can well, yeah. own the screen no matter what she's doing. Like she could be wearing a ridiculous costume, she could be in a movie like Carol, <laughs> and it doesn't matter because she's Kate Blanchett, and she just you she brings this immediate like respect to the movie despite the fact that she has like giant black horns coming out of her head it's still Kate Blanchett and that stuff I actually wish there was more of her in this movie and like I said this movie gets really I enjoyed it but it gets really disjointed and there's like three or four different plots going on to the point where you're like oh yeah your home is in shambles remember she's murdering everyone you might want to go we might want to get back there as a movie Um, but I, I thought she was great and I would have loved to have more of that Oh, shoot. I think she's fantastic, but that's not really making, you know, a huge, bold statement that Kate Blanchett was great <laughs> in something. So um, and she's it's kind of like the oddly enough, I, I was reminded of Elizabeth Banks in the Power Rangers that, movie. That's not odd. Kinda, that makes just, perfect sense. <laughs> OK, <laughs> she was just kind of like slumming and having a good time with it. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that's that she owned it and was you know, just kind of committed to what she was doing. It didn't feel like she was just earning a paycheck. It felt like she was actually showing up and it was, she was fun. She actually did a great job with the role. Um, Mm -hmm. She was surrounded by a bunch of stuff I didn't care about necessarily. Um, And this, I think that moving away from that and not involving her too much is actually a smart idea Mm. with the film because her stuff was definitely the more heavy handed, serious stuff. And when you just dip into that, it's okay. But if you dwelled in that, I think it really could have brought down the tone of the film too much. Yeah. That's a good point actually, because there's a, there's a whole plot line that's basically not even a plot line, but the kind of message of her role of the film is that, you know, quite literally you can't just paint over the atrocities that you've committed to get the power (laughs) that you've, that you've received. And, you know, for a Marvel movie, I mean, this sounds shitty. For a Marvel movie that's deep, I think they they made a real attempt here. I'm not sure it completely works because it is so heavy-handed. So if we had had, like, three or four more speeches about how evil Odin was because of this, like, I probably would have soured on it. But I do feel like it was just enough. So when they kill off one-eyed Hannibal, um, it felt like they were really trying to go for this emotional thing with it. But I... Having not seen these other movies, this is the first Thor movie I've watched more than 10 minutes of. Um, I didn't give a shit, honestly. It didn't connect in that way. To me, the only emotional beat that works in the movie is is Valkyrie's backstory, uh, which okay. we, we find out through, you know, Loki apparently has his power to grab people by the face and see their memories. Like, that's new, I guess. <laughs> is that new? Okay. I, I think so. Like, I mean, it's been a long time <laughs> since I've watched the Thor movies, but I don't remember that but you know it's a you know it's a comic book movie so yeah of course he could do that uh but but that stuff that stuff really works for me and the mark ruffalo stuff always works for me like i think mark ruffalo is great as bruce banner yes. um and you know i think his 
his sacrifice that he thinks he's making near the end of the movie, I think that works a lot more than any death or any of the people really in peril in this movie. Although I was glad to see Idris Elba given something to do in a Thor movie other than like put a mask over half of his face and, and appear wise. Like he actually got to move around a little bit and have a couple speeches. And I enjoyed that because I, I, I like Idris Elba in just about everything. But what did you think of Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster? His uh, ah, he's, villain. He's doing his Jeff Goldblum thing. Yeah. He's great. I mean, With I makeup. Think you either, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum does that. And if that's what you want from him, it's, right. I could watch it for hours. I could have seriously spent two and a half hours with him and his sidekick that woman yes. just going through Rachel the sort House. of ma- yeah the machinations of their world and like what's the day-to-day life of him like his sort of devil wears prada version of this <laughs> office life i, I absolutely uh, go into that world i think i went into this movie as far as his performance with with hopes that were a little too high because we were talking about how great he was in this movie and he's doing his thing he's fine he's totally enjoyable i think there's a great there's a great music Q, uh right before we meet him where we get the the music from uh Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory mm-hmm. uh, is pretty fantastic cuz that's essentially I mean this is like a sadist even more sadistic version of Willy Wonka and it it really works like that stuff is really enjoyable Jeff Goldblum for better or worse he knows exactly how silly of a movie he's in and he actually plays that up instead of like you said you know strapping on the tights and taking it really really seriously like he's like no <laughs> I mean, his part of the movie, it's essentially like a comic book gladiator movie. So let's just let's just do it. Let's just go all out. I thought I thought he was good. It's the closest thing I'll probably get to a Buckaroo Banzai sequel in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm OK with that. Before we go to a short spoiler section, the one thing I I noticed from this movie and, and I was really happy about is that they did play up the comedy in this movie because Thor is is a hard sell even for a comic book movie, you know, like it's. You know, it's got the old gods and it's got, you know, lots of like almost like old English language if you look at the old comic books. So it's a tough sell. And, you know, having Kenneth Branagh direct the original was kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. we're really going to lean into the Shakespearean narrative here with brother <laughs> against brother. And it ends up just it ends up being a little too self-serious. Uh, and Thor 2 is kind of generally accepted as one of the worst Marvel movies because it just kind of. You know, it does the sequel thing where it's like, oh, we'll do it, but like bigger, I guess, and more. Yeah, let's do that. And this was like, let's have a little fun with it. And from the very beginning, that part that you mentioned that you like with him kind of spinning around on this chain, like, hold on, I'll get to you. Let me just turn around one more time. Like they really lean into it from opening until the closing credits. And I really kind of appreciate that. You even have the character of a... Korg, voiced by the director, Taika Waititi, who's yeah. like the rock monster, is probably like the best part of this entire movie. Like, I give me a Korg movie, and I will watch that for 90 <laughs> minutes without a problem. All right, so let's go to spoilers, and this should be pretty quick. I doubt Chris will have much to say about spoilers, but we'll do it anyway. Spoilers. What? Read ahead, spoil all the surprises. I'll peek at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. So I mentioned earlier this this character who takes a turn. There's this character named Scourge, of all things. Uh, <laughs> who saw this coming? Yeah, shocking <laughs> that he would be a bad guy. Um, you know, which sadly was played by uh, by one of my favorite actors, Carl Urban, who does 
like even less with this role than a lot of actors do in comic book roles. <laughs> like he looks like he's kind of sleepwalking through it. He does this terrible, ridiculous kind of gutter accent that is, I don't know, it's supposed to make us think that he's kind of a bad guy, but has a heart of gold, I guess. So at the beginning of the movie, he's given a job and doesn't do it. And then he's turned to the other side by our villain. And then at the end, he, he realizes the error of his ways and helps out the people of Asgard. And I felt, can you feel less than nothing? Like, can you feel like zero, less than zero amount of emotion? Because I was just like, yeah, no, this isn't. And it sucks because I think if you give Carl Urban the opportunity to act in this role and to actually have that arc, I think it can really work. But here they just, they weren't willing to spend the time with it. So when he gives, you know, when he gives his life to save all these people, you're like, yeah, that's okay. That's, I'm all right with that. You know, and I don't think that's what they were going for. No, I don't, I don't think that's what they were going for at all. And it's just, it's too many things that you're trying to fit in there. I, I get the idea of this, but this is, right. we all saw this particular character arc from about a mile away. Yes. Um, <laughs> as soon as you find out that he's turning, it's, oh, okay, so in the end, he'll end up saving everybody's lives. So five lives, minutes left. He'll, yeah. <laughs> he'll sacrifice himself and it'll be the end. God, we've seen this a million times. So, but thing is sometimes that actually works sometimes yeah. the, the, a performance can pull that in even though you see it coming and it's telegraphed from a yeah. mile away the right actor the right script um and he, i think you're right he is the right actor i don't think it's the right script i'm not going to blame it on him necessarily i don't right. know how much of his role was cut out Who knows? Um, yeah. i don't know what they gave him to work with or you know I, I don't think that this particular director was that interested in those aspects of the no. story because when it gets into those moments, he it seems like that's where he needed to go, and he just moves on from it very quickly. He doesn't dwell in that area too long. Even there's a moment where there's a character's death, and he turns that into a joke um, with another character's death by saying, oh, wait, no, he's still alive right. in the end of the film. And so I, I was totally fine with that because I didn't give a shit about this character's death either. So I, <laughs> right. I was okay with it becoming a joke, but I've seen people bitching about that. And mm. I thought that was actually one of my preferred moments because it pulled a little bit of that heaviness out of the room that just feels inappropriate to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a movie that I think that tries – it tries to balance tone maybe a little bit too much. Like when this movie gets dark, I'm not sure it really works. Uh, I'm no. not sure that's, I mean, Taika Waititi, like if you look at his other movies, like there are sad moments, but I would never call his movies dark. Like that's not really where he operates. And I think he's much better in this movie when he keeps things light and keeps saying like, there's this whole repeated piece of dialogue with Thor with like, that's what heroes do. And it's very much that kind of adventure movie. Like, let's just have a good mm -hmm. time with it. And I think, one of the only moments that I really like actively dislike, and I'm sure you did too, because it ties into what you were talking about earlier, is this whole extended sequence with Doctor Strange when Benedict Cumberbatch shows up, <laughs> which is – I'd forgotten about all that bullshit. Oh what was my that all God. About? It was like – you know, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, we're using this character to get our, our two brothers to Odin. And I get that, but I don't need nine minutes – of Thor spilling his beer and Benedict Cumberbatch smirking. Like it was just like it more so than most Marvel movies. Even it read as like, remember him? Yeah, we did that movie. <laughs> like, and I was just like, I don't care. I'm here for the story. Let's move forward. But I, I, I agree. And I disagree at the same time. Um, I was actually during that scene. I was really impressed with how well 
Chris Hemsworth does physical comedy. Oh, I yeah, have no idea. Great. Yeah. He, he can actually, he has that like Channing Tatum thing where you're like, fuck you. You can do everything. I hate you. Right. You're such an asshole. <laughs> you're you decent dramatically. Like, look... You're good looking. You can do comedy. <laughs> Just fuck off. Will you like... <laughs> leave, leave, leave comedy to like, you know, people that look like me. <laughs> yeah i i totally agree but yeah that was the only part of that scene that really worked but it also just went on so long like i was just like okay you made your you made your appearance you know it's a little comic crossover that's cute can we can we get back because like honestly like i'd much rather as you said see a movie about the interactions between thor and the hulk like that's you know i didn't really need to see the hulk's ass uh on screen but that happened uh, I was good but, with that. I actually wanted know. to see the reverse shot. Yeah. I well, I mean, I wanted Thor to see what, what Thor was like. That's never going to leave my brain. Like, okay, <laughs> how are you going to tease us like that? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even the interactions between those two uh, and with Tessa Thompson's character, I think that stuff yeah. as like kind of a road movie, as a road comedy, yes. like really yeah. works. And I think there are definitely moments where the movie gets bogged down in the kind of high stakes Asgard is dying plot line where i would much rather just like let's hang out with these people and have a good time because this is really fun so i guess this is a spoiler also but um apparently thor is the god of thunder oh who knew yeah yeah just so you know know. this just came around into this movie yeah and i think i think that's i and i kind of love that they made that they poked fun at their own uh, at their own set of movies like that. Like, yeah, we've just been, it's just this guy with a hammer for like <laughs> four hours of movie. We're like, oh yeah, thunder and lightning. Maybe we should, since we have all this fucking money, maybe we should use the special effects. And it was a good time. Like when they, when they kind of unleash that on two different occasions, I think that stuff really works and it's a lot of fun. And even I will be perfectly honest, that side of his character arc of the idea of him not having confidence and that that being he had the confidence from the hammer, not from himself and this kind of thing. I actually really appreciated that. But then he found out that he was just he had these superpowers. So the kind of lesson behind that really does fall apart pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an incomplete lesson, but I, I, I kind of like the arc of that, and I like the arc of, because in the first Thor movie, it's like, he's immature and not ready to rule, he's not ready to, he's not mature enough to handle this, and I like the kind of completed arc of the trilogy, where, despite the fact that Asgard is destroyed, he takes his place in a throne at the end of the movie, you know, over all these people who are huddled in this, in this spaceship, essentially these refugees, and I thought, like, and I didn't realize it was coming until, like, he kind of sat down, and I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's a nice little ode to the first movie, however many years ago it was. So I thought it kind of wrapped itself up as a trilogy pretty nicely. So I appreciated that. See, I didn't know what they were doing there, but I knew they were doing something. Right. I felt that that was a callback, but it was still it worked. But I had no idea what that was calling back to. Right. All right. I like that. I'm confused, but it worked. I think that's a good place. to end. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's not confused. It's I get right. it. I, I see you're doing something here. I don't know what you're doing. The scene still works on its own, though. Right. And if it would have had more moments like that, I would have loved this film. But right. there's a lot of it that I mean, just because how the fuck would you understand what the Doctor Strange sequence was if you didn't no way. like No, you weren't aware of it. Now, I haven't seen that and I don't know, but I've heard enough about it through film Twitter and I know who Doctor Strange is. So I have a right. basic idea of it and going back to my sixth grade brain, you know who this character is. But yeah, if you didn't have that, none of that is laid out for you at all or presented in a way that makes sense. Right. So I love that this movie that has been hyped as like this is the most fun Marvel movie. Both of us are like, you know what? This needs more fun. 
we should we should have more fun <laughs> with this movie. So I like that well, we've like anyone who wants like dark comic book movies, you're in the wrong place. This movie I, needs I'm, more fun. I'm a petulant child. You gave <laughs> me something that works, and I want more of it. Yep. I, I want I want less of that thing that doesn't work. And that's it's more disappointing when you have these things that really work in something. Mm that's surrounded by elements that don't. It's kind of like when you get that one hook and then the rest of it doesn't deliver, it's so much worse than something that just doesn't flat out work. Um, I have a feeling, you know, the remake of murder on the Orient express is going to be an example of the latter. That's Mm. just going to be something that completely falls apart. Doesn't work in any way at all. Just kind of thinking of Kenneth Branagh movies and it'll make me want to go back and either read the play or watch the seventies movie with Sean Connery and I'll be much happier. Well, speaking of the seventies movie with Sean Connery, that's what we're covering next week. So, uh, Ah, look forward to that. Well done. That's a nice transition, even though you didn't mean to, I appreciate it. Not at all. I apologize. (laughs) Cut that out. All right, so one more time before you go, tell people how to bother you on Twitter. Uh, following underscore films on Twitter. Beard's starting to look pretty nice there, my friend. Yeah, well, it's cold here, man. We're about to have the first <laughs> snow of the year, so it's time. Uh, yeah, we, we're... I, it's, 85 here or something like that oh, had so the kids out at the park nice and today. chilly in arizona yes it, it, it was it was you know i had to there was a point last night where i closed my windows because it was too cold Ooh, my you poor man Thanks.